Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition and Food Studies and Public Health at New York University and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio. Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member-based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset. Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Today's program is brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit cane5.com. This is Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway. Um, so t- this week, we're talking about some developments in the world of GMO, just to start off the convo. Um, you know, food labeling has had so many faces lately um, over the past few months from labeling of, uh, I don't know, gluten-free over, over the years and so forth. But GMO labeling, we're about to see a lot more of. Uh, the Senate just passed a bill. It gave the okay to label GMO on food products. And, uh, you know, when you do that, it sort of carries a certain stigma. And there has been some pushback against a, a growing sort of vocal, growing um, vocal course of thought of critics about how GMO is misunderstood. So, I, you know, I'm, you know, th- it has some good points and some bad points. It's helped to you know, revitalize, uh, you know, crops that are failing and um, countries like golden rice was one example is pulled out a lot um, that has uh, more vitamins than other, you know, main commodity crops. So it's it's a very, very complicated issue. And um, slapping on a label that says no GMO is going to satisfy some people and it's going to it's going to lead to, uh, I hope, a lot more understanding on the topic. Um, we're not talking about GMOs the whole episode, though. Um, I have a great guest on. It's Chef Tyler Court of Number no. 7 Sub and uh, Number no. 7 Restaurant here in Brooklyn. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm curious, though, because, you know, when consumer demand um, changes and preferences change, do you see things like uh, people asking about GMO in your line of work at all? Uh, no, honestly, nobody, nobody ever yeah. asks. But, uh, but it sounds like something that people might start asking about. Yeah, and once we see these on labels of all sorts of food products, it should be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, um, I'm, cur- I'm curious, too, because it seems like such a vague, like just GMO, right. like being kind of for or anti-GMO feels like you're like, 
for or against like science. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's good uses and there's bad uses and I think we I think we need to maybe get a little more specific that's the about debate. it. Yeah, that's the debate. But I also don't want to like come in and say I'm super pro GMO because <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't it. sound good, right? <laughs> it doesn't sound very natural or wholesome. Yeah. It doesn't have that ring of which is what you, you know, might want to identify with um sure. having like clean like products. Feeding or people. Right. They right. kind of want to uh, know that they're eating but real as food. of now you wouldn't have much um way of knowing for cert for certain which ingredients are and aren't gmo that is correct yeah so so soon we'll know but again like but what is that it doesn't necessarily mean just because something is labeled as gmo i guess we could stop using it Hi. but but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad that doesn't necessarily mean that it's full of pesticide it just it means that it's been yeah, you know, I don't know. It just seems more, so vague right now. More and more, I think this is actually starting to parallel the the labeling of organic. You know, yeah, just so like organic doesn't necessarily mean to me that something is better. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it just means that it doesn't have certain things in it. But it sounds like the process to make something to get something labeled as organic <laughs> is so arduous and crazy. It is crazy that there's lots of great products out there that aren't labeled organic. So I don't necessarily look for the organic thing. Also, because for whatever reason, the packaging on organic things usually looks gross. So I don't use, I, I tend to veer away from the organic right. things for, for my own use. Whereas some things that are packaged, there is no packaging. There's no like branding around things that are totally organic or like has dirt covered on it. And it's like, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't stress about that kind of stuff, but that's I, again, mm-hmm. as like a, as like a, if I'm in any way a, an authority on food, which I highly doubt that I am, but if I am, I don't want to be the dude that's like, eh, don't worry about it. Just right. eat whatever you want because right. I don't want to be on the wrong side of history when it turns out that these JMOs actually are killing us. Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I guess in my own personal life, I don't, I don't stress about those things. And, but you know, I'm not going to tell people not to worry about, mm-hmm. not to only eat organic, like eat organic if that's what you like. Well, I'm really curious to see what will happen with, like, you know, it's a public perception war a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just don't so. trust hippies with my food. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about who you do trust. Um, not very many people, but Francis people. Lamb is one of them. He's made Francis Lamb may be the only person I trust anymore. Francis Lamb, editor-in-chief of Clarkson Potter Cookbooks, um, good friend of ours here. Um, so was how did you – okay, so we're talking about – I'm holding your wonderful cookbook called a super upsetting cookbook He's about technically, sandwiches. for the record, not the editor-in-chief per se, but what he edited he my book. What, I think he's what, just an associate editor. Associate editor. Okay. Anyway, or a Francis ma- Lamb. Managing editor. I don't remember. He has a, he has a fun title, but it's – Yeah. He's not the editor-in-chief. Just, I wish okay. he was. I, you know, I don't know. Cool. Well, how did you come to start working with uh, Francis? Whose idea? Or how did you decide to write this cookbook? Uh, well, uh, I wanted to, I don't know. I wanted to write a cookbook because it sounded like fun. Uh-huh. And, um, and I wrote a really weird proposal yeah. that was in and of itself pretty upsetting. And I uh, pitched it around with the help of my agent, Jonah. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted to publish it. Which was reasonable. It's, it was a crazy idea. Wow. Um, but then... Wait, what was the idea originally? Was it No, it was for other? this book. Okay. They so just, it was super upsetting. Yeah, they just... They weren't, they weren't feeling it. Okay. Um, but then I had heard... I, I vaguely knew Francis, and I had heard that he had taken a job at Clerks and Potter, mm-hmm. and they had already turned the book down, but I mentioned to my agent that I, that I kind of knew him, and that maybe we should pitch it to him, because he might like it, and 
So we did that, and the rest is history. a side note and in history. And now we're holding this, this lovely book. I keep saying these positive adjectives, but you are insisting that it's super, it is super upsetting. <laughs> so let's backtrack. Like, do you get like, do you get really well, worked up and start crying every time you're like cooking a sandwich? And then it's really, I do, like, yeah, yeah. But, it, but the book is not necessarily made, meant to upset you in that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not meant to make you cry all the time. <laughs> uh, why is that? Why? Why do you? Why do you feel upset? Oh, I don't know. I just you know, I'm a human being. We've all got things that make this us is upset. Personal, yeah. Or like most, I can tell most things. This is really like affecting. Um, yeah, you wrote in the introduction that um, one time you were really sick, but you you know you plowed forth and got on the train and it went was to much work. more graphic the first time around. Francis made me change it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was gross. Oh, okay. So you're <laughs> horribly. It was sick. upsetting. You're very upset, <laughs> and you plowed on to work just because you wanted to make people happy through making sandwiches. Yeah. So is this some, like, osmosis of, like, you know, transferring, like, the upset that you, <laughs> do you, like, kind of karmically cleanse it by making something that makes people happy? I don't know. I'm no, kinda... I mean, I guess I don't really have a great answer to that. And I and I think that, that uh, a, a small chunk of this book was in a way me kind of on paper trying to work out what uh i don't know the idea of like happiness and joy just seems so incredibly fleeting and i and i struggle to kind of grasp onto it and figure out what it means um and i don't think i got anywhere closer to figuring that out in this book other than to say that i think that um making other people happy seems like the closest thing that i figured out to like a sense of happiness Mm -hmm. does that make sense like Mm -hmm. spending all this time making a making food and then eating it yourself is is just less gratifying i don't know can be kind of depressing in the end when you spent all this time and energy which is it in itself it's kind of it can be its own release to Mm -hmm. like cook and cook and cook when you're not feeling great and then you know that's something to do to distract yourself from being sad and whatever um but then when you're done there's kind of that sometimes that disappointment in all right, now it's now it's over, and and I just ate that in ten seconds, and now what's next? Whereas you know, feeding other people, or or, or writing a book that makes them laugh, or opening a restaurant, or what mm-hmm. you know, like the the more kind of outward things seem like that's closer to happiness. I just I haven't totally figured it out yet. Wow. That maybe that's the next book. I'll have figured it out by then. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. What's art without a sense of pain and sacrifice? I could definitely. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's what I could sort of gather reading through this book. Um, I think about it a lot too of much, charged, apparently. you know, passages throughout. And uh, it is, you know, sort of super upsetting, but at the same time, um, brilliant. And oh, I think thanks. that, yeah, your sandwiches, I, I have to say you are a sandwich artist. <laughs> I was technically one at the, when I worked at a Subway sandwich <laughs> in high school. For about a year, I was really? good. I was really good at it. That, you had to take a test. Was that you, your sandwich training? Or? It was. Yeah, yeah. You had to put your name tag over the <laughs> over the part of your shirt that said "sandwich artist," and then once you, you there was a test where the manager uh, would time would time you and say would just call out like a list of ingredients, and you had I think it was like I don't know sixty seconds or ninety seconds Whoa. or whatever to make the sandwich, and you did it, and then if you passed the test, then you got to move your. Uh, name tag down so that you could reveal the sandwich artist that had been hiding underneath all along. And I totally did that. You nailed it. Yeah. Wow. Do you still make sandwiches with that kind of speed and efficiency or? No, no? now I'm just in the way. I I try to stay out of the way. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. 
Well, um, your sandwiches, your combinations are completely original. Um, you seem to like, you know, eschew the traditional sandwich combinations. Um, kind of, but I, I feel like to some degree, I, I am embracing them. Just, but just kind of often like tweaking, like swapping ingredients for other ingredients that sound crazy, but that still kind of play a similar role and still kind of make sense. Yeah. I, I hear you because I, I feel like one thing that you're you're really known for is um, making sandwiches from just vegetables. So there's a lot of choices, you know, for people who might be vegetarian sure. or just not, but really want something tasty made with vegetables. And uh, that doesn't seem to be a tradition in sandwich unless it's like PBJ, like that, or I like know falafel, of. or like eggplant parm, or like there are a, there are vegetarian, sandwich, I guess, or like a slice of pizza folded over, which is my favorite sandwich of them all. But mm. there's a lot of yeah, I think um, well, not subs, subs. I I don't think there's been a veggie. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, and I'm not sure why. I think I don't. Mm-hmm. I think people just don't. Uh, I don't know. Something happened to the world when all of a sudden, at some point, probably right when they figured out industrial agriculture and kind of mass farming of meat. People just could have meat for every single possible meal, right. and they mm-hmm. just decided that they needed to do that. But I don't, I don't feel that way. I guess I don't. Know. Yeah. Um, interestingly, you noted that you might be a vegetarian if it weren't for chicken, because yeah, chicken is the isn't. best one. <laughs> I hear you on that. I, I rarely see chefs say that though, so that's really that's really um, cool to hear that because I think they're people, not supposed to say it. But I, I know, feel like right? Because they, they like chicken is sort of like white bread, right? In the culinary. Sure high you know echelons it's of the best and it takes world. it takes the most finesse and it like doesn't it? it's yeah. just it's the best it's okay my favorite. so what's your favorite chicken sandwich in the world what's my right favorite now? chicken sandwich in the world right now you have a few in here in this book there's sure. the frito kid the number seven club there's the this is a chicken sandwich mm-hmm. and then there's sandwiches fall apart which is a curry chicken salad with avocado and yummy yum fried squid yeah uh, I don't know what my favorite. All of the chicken sandwiches are probably my favorite. Do you have a new latest crazy invention? Like the like the but like the McDonald's chicken sandwich, the Which, like fried the one, grilled or the the fried? one especially from my childhood where it was like one really big chicken nugget. <laughs> oh, on a bun with yes. with just like mayonnaise and pickles. That was the greatest. You know that's making a huge comeback yeah, these days. So at the you know what's it called Fuku? Mm-hmm. And yeah, except uh, they use thighs. And I don't feel so great about that for some reason. What about the Shake Shack? I like the that? Shake Shack one. Yeah. Okay. Then there's a Delaney chicken. I like I that mean, one, but they also use the thigh, which again, which is delicious. But fried chicken thighs. I don't know. I like what? my I like my legs overcooked. Okay. And those are like just cooked and they're super fatty and it's already fried and then there's mm. fat on the inside of it. And maybe I'm, I don't know. You maybe think that's I, too much? For me. Yeah. So if you went with the fried chicken sandwich, it's the breast? Yeah. Do you pound it? No. Uh, it, dep- it depends. Like the ones that we do at the sandwich shop, we, mm-hmm. we just slice really thin. Mm-hmm. But that's more of like a, an efficiency thing because we need to make so many of them so quickly. Yep. Um, but if, I were, if I'm making my own with all the time in the world, then mm-hmm. I would probably just leave the breast whole and... You marinate it or brine it? No. No. Just good old chicken. I would just season it real good with some salt and pepper, mm. with just some salt, and then do the flour, the flour, milk, flour situation. Oh, okay. So. I like it super simple. So, hmm. That sounds really good. Um, let's talk more about sandwiches and um, some of your favorite combos uh, from number seven sandwich fame right after a quick little commercial break. 
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. All right, we're chatting with Chef Tyler Cord. He has just published uh, his first cookbook called A Super Upsetting Cookbook About Sandwiches. The strangest title I think I've ever seen in a while. Um, but uh, I, I think I think the um, the rest of the book definitely lives up to it. Um, it's just delightfully off kilter. Um, I hope that's a compliment because I, I do mean that. it like yeah. like that. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't just want to write another cookbook, like right, right, especially not a restaurant cookbook because that was the worst. You know, I, I Those, really like, breathless, appreciate like, this is what we mm-hmm. eat for family meal. And this is like the thought that went into this. I just I can't read another one. At a certain point. Yeah, we've seen a lot. And I've definitely seen a lot of those books come across my shelf. I really like that. Um, it's like a 25 year old writing a memoir. You know, you're yeah, like, yeah, we need that. It's, it's a little bit you know kind of salesy like this is our yeah. values and that's great and all but like you're painting this picture perfect image of your restaurant and how great you are with staff and family meal <laughs> and like it's yeah like, but like keep your restaurant yeah. open for 15 years and then let's talk about it Ooh. you know what i mean like yeah mm-hmm. that's neat you definitely get into like the voice even like y- you don't have much personal backstory in this which is kind of i don't odd. even ha- i don't have a backstory that's <laughs> Come on now, you you studied. Yeah, but nobody at nobody cares. Nobody French nobody Culinary in- Institute. Uh-huh. You were a sous chef at Jean Georges. Not at Jean Georges restaurant at Perry, Perry Street. Perry Street. Perry Street. Okay, so you you have a French background. You've traveled a lot, right? Because there's a lot of international flavors throughout these. Sandwiches. I traveled a lot less than I pretend to have traveled. I suppose. Yeah. Do you like pick up? But I read a lot of cookbooks. And- ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were saying that you recently came back from Italy for a little jaunt. I went to Italy. It was awesome. Yeah? Yeah, I want to live there. How, how, what was the food like? Did you have anything that blew your mind? You know, it's, the food there is so interesting, and it's kind of, um, well, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I had a lot of great things. I had a lot of great pasta, which is like, pasta is like the course that they make to order, but there's like so many things that it's, it's kind of awesome. There's all these things that are just pre-made and then mm-hmm. you order it and then they hand it to you. And I like room temperature like what? food. What kind of like, stuff? Like all of the sandwiches and uh-huh. pizza, like at a, at a sit-down pizzeria they're going to make to order. Mm-hmm. But there's the Pizza al Metro all over Rome, which is like their slice joint kind of. Okay. Which is like they make these long and it's room pizzas and then you order one and then they, they, they like, because I don't speak any Italian, it was all hand gestures, <laughs> but they cut you off a chunk of it and they weigh it. And then they fold it over Whoa. and wrap it in paper and hand it to you like a sandwich, which is the greatest because it's just room temperature pizza folded like a sandwich for your convenience. Nice. And that's totally awesome. But so I, you know, it was, I'd been there before, but I, I, I kind of forgot how, just how little, like how much like just lunch is like, no, no, no. If, like, yes, this is the greatest lunch place in, in Rome. The food, we made all the food this morning. Just have whatever you want. Like you can look at it all. It's all really pretty. Eat it. Mm. I had many mortadella sandwiches that I don't know who made them or when, but they were awesome. Wow. And they just wrap it up and hand it to you. 
and it's delightful. I feel like if we tried to do that here, like only airports do that here now. The kind of grab and go, like yes. your sandwich has already been made kind of thing. Right. I don't think people respond to or that like very well here. Or like the stuff at Starbucks and whatnot. But which yeah. is why, like, when you go, I like when I was looking for restaurants and and I would look at like TripAdvisor, and like you'd read the reviews and they'd be like, you know, the food here in in Rome in general is not as good as the Italian food we get in New Jersey. But, like, this place is pretty good. Which, for the record, I kind of get. Not because I think that the food in New Jersey is necessarily better than Rome. It's just so different. You know, it's like the the kind of the the intentions of the of the chefs there and the like kind of expectations of the locals there is, yeah, are yeah. clearly different from Completely the expectations different of Americans. It's just, it's totally different. So, it was neat. It was interesting. Um... And it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of really simple, awesome stuff. And then just the best pasta that, that well, maybe exists in the world. that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Like the place and time that you're at really affects some, and it changes too. So you've had number seven for how long now? Like eight? The restaurant's eight, eight, eight years? almost eight years old. Yeah. Um, congrats, by the Thanks. way. Thanks. I'm going to um, write a book about it next year, probably. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, awesome. I'm just kidding. Oh. I wouldn't that, do that. <laughs> Fifteen years. That's the that's the mark. Then I'll write the number seven. You, the you number have to seven write cookbook. one of those cookbooks that's like you know bragging about your 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 family meals and yeah uh, yeah totally. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, no. So have you seen any changing of of clients' expectations in that time? Uh, sure. I mean, sure. I think people know. I think people just generally know a lot more about food than they really? did eight years ago, mm-hmm. and a lot more. Um, Maybe international food. Yeah, I mean, I think people mm-hmm. travel more and, like, know more about the cuisine of Malaysia. You know, like, whereas, like, uh, eight years ago, I don't know, I feel like I, it, there was just, I, there was a lot less, like, we'd use, like, Makrut lime leaves and people wouldn't know what that was and now oh. everybody does. And, wow. like, things have changed, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, you have a lot of, like... Um... Not so much, I feel like less so with the... the the fishes that are not cod, I feel like people still don't know those very fishes well. Fishes that are not cod. Yeah, yeah the less over really fish ones point. are still hard to sell. But Ooh, what are some fishes that you'd like to push more? But Like when we serve like tilefish or wreckfish mm-hmm, or things like yeah. that, it's just it's harder yeah, because like what? people, people are, don't know yeah. what that is and they don't they're not excited about it. Hmm. But anyway, but, well, I'm, but I'm, sure, I'm sure that'll change soon, yeah. too. Well, okay. soon it won't matter because there just won't be any cod left anyway. The, the cod and the tuna will just be gone. <laughs> and then we just, do you want... We could just say, like, do you want fish or not? Because this is what's left. Yeah. This is all that's left. Oh, my gosh. That is, that's very true. And, and, or they'll just rename it something else, the tile sure. fish. Well, then yeah, that'll, then, more, like, because Patagonian toothfish like cod. <laughs> yeah. is gone now because they called it uh, Chilean, Chilean sea bass. It's yeah. just gone. So, yeah, yeah totally. We'll see. <laughs> um, so that's you, okay, so you have, like, interpretations of stuff, a, a lot of Asian, you know, ingredients, um, you know, the general cho sauce that you have and so forth. So I, I think we've definitely seen a growing awareness around Asian cuisines in the last few. Do you, but do you see any like rising star international cuisine lately in the, in a, or up and coming? Can you predict any? I don't know. <laughs> I think all food is delicious. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Um, so it's summer. We've got a lot of things like peaches now and tomatoes. What would you make a sandwich with um, if you let me like? I mean, a peach and tomato the... sandwich sounds pretty good, right? Really? Now. Okay. With, yeah. What would you sauce it up with, or how would I, you? Serve? I mean, probably some a really nice vinaigrette and a lot of salt sounds good to me. Hmm. Nothing on, on Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread. 
a slice, kind of like a sliver from the peach. Yeah. Toss out vinaigrette. I, you know what I was thinking about recently was the, the like the notion of a of a like fruit and vegetable kind of tuna salad. Like not to, like replacing the tuna, but instead of um, as we celery. Were, well, we were oh. thinking about like instead of instead of uh, fake meat because I love fake meat, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's there's that beyond. Have you had that beyond meat? company's chicken it's like it I is haven't had it, it is chicken okay but it's it's kind of hard to source it's a little expensive anyway so we were talking about making a chicken salad sandwich with that and then i was like well, uh what if we shredded a bunch of like awesome different vegetables like made a melange of vegetables but then also some like jackfruit like things right. that are like chewy the and awesome stuff. but like peaches you i mean peaches are so delicious that and I, great. I bet if you and dried them out salad. a little bit so they got a little chewier to like give it a nice meatier texture, but then like tossed it with honest like mayonnaise and chopped up pickles and mm. made like a tuna salad sandwich with peaches and like zucchini and eggplant. Ooh, I bet that would be pretty awesome. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, cause stay you, tuned. Maybe at the okay, Whole Foods. I'm, in I'm excited. Um, yeah, because like you know, you see grapes a lot in chicken salad, but sure, why not? Sure. Why not peaches? Oh, yeah, why delicious. Not? Um, it's delicious. How would you dry it out, though? I'm, like, trying to scrap like it in, Like, I mean, I don't have a fancy like food dehydrator, compress- but... Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, like, in, like, a 200-degree oven. Like, instead, ah. like, not roasting it, but also Ooh, not, like... Kind of chewing, making it sort of chewy. Yeah, like, somewhere between dried... Not, like, fruit leather, but, like, just huh. dry it out enough that it gets a little chewier. Oh, that's a crazy idea. Um, so it kind of develops a skin on the outside and gets kind of gnarly in a good way. Right on. So, are you trying to play around with more like meatless um, or fake meat substitutes, as you said? Or I mean, I'm always that? looking for fun ways to make mm-hmm. food that doesn't have meat in it. And the and it, I, have I, have you ever tried being vegetarian for any length of time? Um, yeah. Because I I have done it many times, and I always the thing I do like I'm not like meat obsessed, and I don't need to have it for every meal. But when I haven't had it for a long time, it turns out I don't want just like I don't want a broccoli sandwich. Or, mm-hmm. And I don't want, like, just whatever vegetable side dishes the restaurant has. I want something that feels like I'm getting, like, kind of a concentrated pack of protein. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want a veggie burger at that point. Or, like... A fake meat. A, yeah. Or seitan. Or, like, those things become much more exciting then. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people... I think it's a it's a thing particularly of chefs who are not vegetarian and don't know much about it who say things like, oh, well, like, we're going to do this vegetarian thing, but we're not going to serve that fake meat because that's disgusting and that's not real food and we're going to use vegetables. But, like, try it out. Like, you want... I'm sure. Something with... You want something chewy. Like, there's not a lot of chewy that's... If right. you're If you're going straight up vegetarian, like, whole vegetables, like, there's just not a lot of chew. I can see that and being you tough that. to plate, though, in a non-sandwich kind of arrangement, you know? Because people have mm-hmm. expectations on texture and all that stuff that... Right, 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 but like yeah. a big chunk of beautifully fried tofu mm-hmm. makes like a beautiful centerpiece for a dish. That's true. Or a couple of big slices of grilled rutabaga or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you can still have a main component. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's the other thing that people get because like I think people struggle to make vegetables the main focus of a drink of a dish without like having it just be like a list of you know this plate is this 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 this, this and that with this vinaigrette and this sauce and blah blah blah. But like. You know, if you cook it right and you grill it or you fry it or you whatever, roast it, you can make anything the star. But it's, so again, like the fake meat stuff is, I don't know, and people make awesome seitan and like, 
tofu rules. This is so... I like that stuff. I, I, lo- I love that, you know, you're going all these, you know, really bold places with meat substitutes because it's something I struggle with, like, just at home when I'm, not, I'm just too lazy to get meat or something. And I'm always trying to, like, you know, tinker around with yeah. whatever veggies I want to get yeah. a hold of the, like, the stuff that... Do you... Have you ever had... I, I, um... You know, I always saw that there was, like, a whole vegetarian fake meat section on, like, a lot of Chinese restaurants. Yeah, menus. Buddha food. Yeah. And I, um started yeah but not the like virtuous buddha stuff i mean like general says soy protein which i don't I've, i don't actually know what that is i mean i uh, eat it all the time because it's delicious but yeah. one of these days i want to find out what that is and buy it but it's like this like chewy chicken like crunchy awesome thing that they okay. that they dunk in general says sauce and it's so good mm. i want to find it hmm. it's i'm sure it's terrible for you but it's not wheat gluten like which is it's not seitan it's not seitan. It's, di- it's a different it's like a spongier different texture i don't know how to describe it it's amazing what you can do with like you know just a few proteins like sure bean curd comes in many different forms that's why i think like tofu has a stigma because people think it's just like this one dimensional like one type yeah so so yeah so they think that of tofu and then and then they hear seitan and they're like oh it's that processed like Mm -hmm. vegan whatever but it's 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 just it's just dough like it's just wheat gluten that it's it's like a wheat dough that they rinsed all the starch out of and you're left with the protein and they cook it there's like it's not any more processed it's in fact probably much less processed than right, the, right. like purdue chickens that you buy so say we have a beautiful slab of tofu right now what's the best sandwich combination for that given the season and uh i don't know peaches and whatnot are that are around i mean i admittedly much prefer tofu to be fried Okay. So the first thing I would do is probably bread it and fry it. Bread Although it lately fry. I've actually, and I'm going to work Get on it crispy. in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to make a, because like everybody's so excited about Na- Nashville hot chicken these days. And I want to make the tofu version of Nashville, like Nashville hot tofu. Okay. Um, Sounds good. But anyway, so I would like fry it in like a hot sauce enriched batter nice. maybe. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, serve it with some awesome fruit, fruity coleslaw. Okay. Maybe some pickles. Coleslaw. Sounds good. A little tartar, yeah. maybe, action? Sure. Oh, my God. Now I'm really hungry. Um, well, I guess that's about all the time we have for today. But um, thank you so much, Chef Tyler, for joining us. Thanks for having me. You can just call me Tyler. It's okay. Okay, <laughs> Chef. <laughs> um, everyone check out a super upsetting cookbook about sandwiches out from Clarkson Potter. Um, and uh, check out Number 7 Sub. There's a new one coming out in uh, Williamsburg at the Whole Foods. So that should be a fun grand opening. When is that grand opening again? Sin. It's in a few weeks. A few two, weeks. Two, three weeks. I think it's like the 25th. Nice. And I, that one's going to be all vegetarian. Just, oh, really? Just to make things exciting. Wow. All right. I might have to go shopping at Whole Foods more. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Tyler. Thanks, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.